The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Well, welcome to another episode of Leadership Matters, a program that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode in this series is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. My name's Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator for this episode. Uh, I work with the Strategic Change Initiative and the Alliance with the goal to help leaders and organizations to find pathways to transformation. With me serving on the panel today is my good friend Andre Howard. Andre, if you would please introduce yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Andre Howard. I'm with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and really uh, so very glad and pleased to be here. This is kind of, a, I was chuckling a little bit earlier, kind of our inaugural uh, show um, with uh, the Alliance being the partner uh, with our others uh, as part of the process. So at the Alliance, I uh, am primarily responsible for our Center on Leadership, uh, which is really uh, a way to think about how we offer uh, a number of, of uh, curriculum, of webinars, of uh, venues, webinars, workshops, conferences, uh, whatever we could do to really uh, push the message out there uh, about uh, really creating high-impact leaders, and that's really what we're all about here at the Alliance. So just uh, pleased to be here with you, Tom, as well as our guests as well. So good to have you here. And our special guest that Andre was alluding to is Mike Shaver. Mike, thanks so much for agreeing to join us today. Please introduce yourself to us. Hi, thanks. I am delighted to be here with you, Tom, and with you, Andre. Obviously, uh, it's uh, great to participate in this forum. I am uh, currently serving as the uh, CEO of Children's Home Society of Florida. I have actually been in the role for uh, six months. Uh, We are headquartered in Orlando. Children's Home Society of Florida is a uh, large statewide organization. We serve about 90,000 children and families a year through a variety of services, including child welfare services, including behavioral health services, and early childhood services. And uh, I am uh, very excited to, to be in uh, Florida and uh, especially excited not to be uh, in the Northeast or in the Midwest this winter. So it's, uh, it's great to be with you guys. Well, I, I am in uh, Denver, Colorado today, and it is snowing. Uh, but it's beautiful out there. The mountains make it be worth it. Today, our episode title is Reflections on Failures. We always succeed at our own risk. Now, let's face it, folks. Failure is terrifying for all of us. There is nothing attractive or noble about failure. 
Now, not surprisingly, if you're an organizational leader, there's an unstated expectation that you just don't fail. Now, unfortunately, our views on failures are inhibiting our ability to innovate, learn, and adapt. In fact, it's arguable that if we don't have a basic comfort level with failing, then our future may actually be in peril. Put simply, always succeeding can be a silent killer for organizational change. In this interview today, you'll hear how one epic failure opened a new horizon of opportunities for one CEO of a large social service organization. You'll hear the challenges of exporting his learning about the importance of failure to an organization that was very accustomed to success and how he is intentionally now cultivating a culture that embraces risk, learns from failure, and capitalizes on unexpected successes. Mike, once again, so good to have you with us. I wonder if you could take just a moment to share, share a bit more about your career before you experience the failure that we'll be discussing today. Sure, sure. Uh, I uh, spent most of my professional life um, in the state of Illinois, in Chicago. Um, I uh, was uh, first right out of graduate school uh, uh, lobbyist. I worked for a national organization, the Ounce of Prevention, and, and did a lot of work on early childhood services. Uh, I left that job to go work in government, and uh, I went to work for the Department of Children and Family Services, um, did a lot of interesting and innovative work around uh, federal um, child welfare waivers that were designed to use money flexibly to do new and very different things, and uh, also worked on early models of performance contracting. Um, when there was a change in political leadership, it was a good time to uh, move on, and uh, I uh, consulted for four years and then found my way to Children's Home and Aid, which is uh, a sister organization of Children's Home Society of Florida, uh, another statewide large organization that's primarily focused on child welfare, a lot of mental health services, and, and early childhood. And uh, it was sort of my experience there and my uh, epic fail there that, that really did uh, prepare me to, uh, to think a little differently about failure and about how, how I approach it as a leader. And it's kind of what I brought with me to Children's Home Society of Florida and, and what I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about today. Good. The primary question, a successful career and then a major alteration of your experience. Yeah. Could you please tell us about the failure you experienced? Yeah. So let me uh, sort of dispel any sense that I've had one failure in my professional career, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. I think what I really want to talk about is I had one recognizable moment in which I, 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 I confronted a very big stakes failure and asked myself what I was going to take from it. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about. Sure. Uh, the state of Illinois embarked on uh, um, uh, an, an, an early uh, path to develop a social impact uh, bond. And they had an interesting approach to do it. They asked uh, uh, providers or anyone interested in developing uh, a framework and a model of how um, a social impact bond, which is really just designed 
designed to attract private money to fund an innovative or different approach to doing the work and then um, to use the savings generated from doing that work better to actually repay investors and and government uh, is usually brought in to pay for that. And so it was something that really appealed to us. I think it appeals to all of us in the social services sector because we're all uh, struggling with the questions around revenue diversification and around thinking about uh, how we can use our resources more flexibly to get better results for, for, for kids and for the families that we serve. And so we jumped in uh, feet first and said, you know what, there's an idea here and let's do our homework and let's think about a, a model that we could sell to the state of Illinois. And um, we were successful at the end of that process. The state of Illinois said, hey, we, we like two of the ideas that we heard about through the uh, request for information process. One of them was the idea that uh, we had developed uh, in our shop. And then the curveball we didn't see coming was that having put all the time and energy in framing out exactly how a, a social impact bond might work in the state of Illinois, that they would take the idea and and the state would RFP that idea out to the uh, entire state for anyone to sort of read our background information, respond yeah. to the state's RFP, and, and secure the funding. And so at the end of that process, for all the work that we had done in developing it, we were not successful ultimately at developing the RP, responding to and securing the RFP. So for me, (laughs) the epic fail was investing a lot of intellectual capital in a great idea, thinking that we would be the perfect fit to execute on that idea and negotiate with the state and and losing that competition uh, to uh, another provider who came in at a later stage in the game. Sure. Now, you put forth an incredible amount of energy, and it didn't work out. Yeah. How did that impact your sense of self-confidence? Well, you know, to be honest with you, it, it, it uh, initially up front, uh, the world, the universe didn't make a lot of sense. It was, it was hard to understand how with a complete recognition that this was an idea spawned developed, researched, analyzed, and fine-tuned by the team of people that worked with me at my organization in Chicago, the idea that we couldn't, six months later, um, convince a group of people that we were also the ones that could execute on that just had us all scratching our heads asking, you know, what is it? What did we do wrong? Should we have done it in the first place? Is it, was it about our credibility as an organization? Was it about our, the confidence in our ability to do it? Was it something we didn't anticipate? Was it the quality of our response? And so uh, an event like that will often leave you assuming that what ultimately developed had something to do with a failing or not executing according to plan on your part and not asking yourself a broader set of questions about whether or not uh, the uh, the missed opportunity had something to do with other factors. So I, I'm not going to lie, it was a it was a pretty big hit initially to to at least my self confidence because there was a lot of brain power and a lot of intellectual capital that went into trying to point the the, the state of Illinois in that direction. Sure, understood. Now. 
obviously you were kind of up front, you know, in front of a lot of people. And yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, a whole lot of people kind of knew what happened. How did people respond to you after all that played out? Uh, you know, did they support you? Uh, did they shy away from you? What kind of responses did you get from other folks, either from your organization or from other organizations? So uh, I think the important thing for us as leaders to understand is that, you know, there, we, we are always, uh, we're, we're always being watched. And if you lead a team of people, uh, whether you're a leader of leaders or a leader of others, if you lead a team of people, uh, what's important to understand is that there is a, a real acute sensitivity to how you respond to a set of circumstances that don't go as you predicted, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, as we predicted, as we invested time, there was a lot of transparency on, on this project with the board. There were multiple meetings with the board because um, there, there was, uh, there were a lot of discussions around uh, investment and risk, and it really required a nice partnership between governance and management. But of course, that raised the, that raised the stakes, and and it 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 created. Sure a lot of awareness at the board level of how much energy, time and energy was going into developing this model and responding to the state's uh, request for RFPs. And you obviously, as a leader, want to transmit to your board leadership that you are, you've got it under control, you're executing as expected, and that you're not investing time and energy in something that's not going to produce the important results for the organization. So I think the initial response to answer your question, Tom, was that um, there was uh, probably more in my own head than anything else, a kind of, uh, of, of, of awkwardness. It felt as though the oxygen had left less room. There was kind of a mystified response saying, how is it that you developed an idea that idea was reverse engineered by the state in, in, a, in an effort to say, hey, we like it, we want you to move forward on it, but that ultimately the execution of that idea was handed over to another group and as part of a, a competitive RFP process. And, and, and I think that was, just for me as a leader, that was, that was a, a profoundly awkward narrative to, to talk people through. Sure. We'll hold on to the thoughts that we've been having. We're going to be back after a moment, after just a short break. Thanks for being with us. Leadership Matters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. 
Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth. And in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. This is Tom Wall with Andre Howard and our special guest, Mike Shaver. From the last segment, we're all afraid of failure, and yet we can sometimes learn far more from our failures than we can from our successes. If we could, Mike, go back to a question. How do we know when a failure is a failure? That's a, I, that's a great question, and I think for me, uh, Tom, it's largely how you define it uh, as an individual. If Good someone point. tells you, um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's for the right reasons, and now we're obviously talking about leadership, so we're talking about, um, we're talking about uh, failure in the context of innovation, of doing something new, of challenging the status quo, and 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 not did you did you get your time cards turned in did you get your valuations in because you know those are those are the black and white uh logistics of management but if 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 someone comes to you and says you know you you, you had this idea you had a programming idea uh you 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 tried to uh change how we think about uh a a, a service approach to to children or or to families and um, and it doesn't work, and you say, yeah, we tried that, and we failed, and you walk away from that discussion with a feeling like uh, you've got a mark of shame rather than what it is you learn from it and how you'll do it differently in the future, then I think you've limited yourself. And that's the point at which failure really is failure, because what you've walked away from the experience with is that I don't want someone telling me I didn't succeed. You're not walking away from the experience experience with an understanding of what you would do differently the next time in, in, in order to avoid some of the pitfalls that you learned from your experience. Beautiful. I really like the fact that you're sending a message to our field, uh, and the message is embrace the failures that we all experience yeah. and learn yeah. from them. So, Absolutely. Mike, what was the most important thing? that you feel you learned from your failure? Just to follow the formula now for a moment. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I think the most important thing that I learned really specifically on, on, on this particular failure, and it was 
you know, I'm uh, I, I'm a guy, and and I've worked with my team for a long time, uh, and had have always been the type of supervisor to say, look, if I'm in, if we're in a conversation, I'm saying something that doesn't resonate with you, you call me on it, because chances are I could be making a mistake, and I'm and I'm pretty open about that, and I think that's what what good partnership means, but. For me, this example that we're talking about today, the real epic failures, right? The real, uh, the real opportunities to change something. I think what I learned from that is that that big ideas in and of them, themselves are are risky propositions. Um, when you wanna when you wanna do something like in this example that says, look, I want to fundamentally think differently about how government is purchasing a service, and and, and I in fact want to sell my board on the idea that rather than get a fee-for-service, we'll get private funding and we'll negotiate what the outcomes will be and we'll either be held accountable to those outcomes or we'll, we'll risk losing money. That's a pretty big idea. And, and if you aren't comfortable with there being a lot of risk, um, then, then what you're going to miss out on is even if you're not successful, you're going to miss out on the, 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 the yield or the dividends that really come in the future once you say, hey, you know, we tried this. It went in this direction. It wasn't the outcome we expected. But going forward, we've learned and have cultivated a set of skills and, and, and some knowledge that's going to drive us in a different direction in the future. And that's what you lose out on is that that just gets locked in the experience, and it doesn't open up additional avenues for the future. And this is, well, if I could just jump in. Go ahead, please. You know, but we've, we've, it's been etched so much in our minds that failure is not an option. I think... Uh, Jerry Bostic probably coined that phrase some years ago when they were bringing back the damage to Apollo 13 to Earth. And so, you know, even in our sector, you know, we've been edged, we've been brainwashed, we've been cultured to some degree to think about failure is not an option and that failure does equate to deficiency. So I think, you know, Mike, as you talk about some of that, some of that's just part of our culture and I'm trying to think about how do we make a transformational change in terms of even, you know, moving away and, and, and not be so brainwashed to understand that failure uh, can be and should be an option? I mean, I think that's the challenge for us in the sector today. Well, I, I think that that is a challenge for the sector today, and I think if you're looking at different parts of, of, the, of the third sector or the social services sector, what we tend to have ingrained in us as practitioners is when we fail – um, there are serious consequences in terms of the lives of the children and the families we serve. We are also in an environment, uh, all of us, that's highly regulated, whether you're doing early childhood work, you're a mental health provider, and you're thinking about your routine HIPAA compliance regulations, or you're thinking about child welfare and, and the endless checklist of things that you have to do to ensure that kids, while they're in foster care, are safe. I mean, those are all... Uh, both high-risk um, uh, propositions, but the consequences of failure are profound. What we have to do is find a middle space where we as a sector say, look, we need to be more entrepreneurial. That's a big part of how we have to think differently about how we do this work. We need to push on our funders to think equally oppor uh, opportunistically um, and entrepreneurially. And, and in order to do that, I think what I always learn from the business sector is they will tell you not only is failure an option, it is a necessity 
it is something that has to be an expectation. And if you're not prepared to do it, and if you're not prepared to think in advance about how a failure will get you to the, the, the next phase of your long-term success trajectory, then, then you're not doing your job. Right. Good point. Yeah. You know, there is a school of thought that is emerging from research in the area of trauma that suggests that there are some kinds of learning and growth that will only happen following intensely painful experiences. You know, and, and it's very possible yeah. that you learn some things, Mike, that you never could have learned without this experience. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree 100%. Um, and, and for me, I don't, I think I might have learned some of the things that I, I learned from this unique experience, but I, I would argue it would have been much slower, right? It would have been, it would have been 10 years of gradual. I, we, you know, we, we moved here, we, we, we stepped there. I think to your point, Tom, when you go through an experience like that, and you feel, you know, your ego takes a hit, you know, your professionalism takes a hit, you're very, you, you, you have the opportunity to engage in some accelerated learning in which you say, okay, what, what are we going to do differently next time? And, and, but for the failure, you're not asking yourself questions about what are we going to do different next time because that takes a lot of mental energy and, and candidly the pain that you talk about is probably what propels us to think more to think differently and more creatively about where we're going to go in the future and so I think that's a that's a that's a very keen insight if we if we talk about what you were saying the recovery if you will of your ego and your sense of professionalism do you have any sense of about how long it took for you to in fact recover from that pain and start to feel somewhat balanced in your ego and and not as threatened professionally do you have a sense of how long that took you yeah um uh, yeah if i think if i was being completely honest um it it was probably about 90 days before I feel like I had uh, a new narrative, um, really a narrative that said, you know, the, the, it, the, the, the outcome wasn't what I'd wanted. Um, communicating to my team, people who'd put an enormous amount of, of work in it and who did extraordinarily, uh, just exceptionally good work that ultimately as a leader, you feel like you, you have to have some ownership around the fact that they didn't see their aspirations realized. And then moving that to obviously management, my colleagues, my board, that, that was a, a 30 day process. And then there is a 30 day process where you're, you're maybe engaging in a little more external conversations. You're hearing more about the, the project as it moves on without you and, and, and learning a little bit more about what went into the decision making, how you, you, you weren't quite lined up with what the expectations were. And then I think there's another 30 days after that where you're putting it together and you're saying, okay, wasn't what I wanted, but now I'm, now I'm going to be future oriented. Now I'm going to ask myself, what, where's the next opportunity like this? It's not a, a one-shot deal. Where's the next opportunity? And I think that comes, for, at least for me, came about, uh, the, the, about the, the third month. So in part, 
you were able to begin to rebuild your sense of self-confidence when you took on the next goal. I think so. I think so. I, I think I got away from from the notion that the the failure uh, was about me or mm-hmm. about my feelings as a leader or about my need to save face, and and I started to get more uh, tuned towards what what I thought this failure could achieve for other folks, right, and, and how I could help and, and, and how uh, I could think about my experience on this as a way to drive it forward and open up other opportunities. And I think that's what's important. You've got to remember why it is you, 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 you took the risk, you picked up the dice in the first place. And, and I think if it's, about, if it's about mission and if it's about your vision, about how we can do better for kids and families, I think that instant that you can get out of that, you know, you can get out of the, the self-absorption, which I think happens. It's a, it's, a natu- it's a natural process. And instead, look on the horizon and say, you know what, this, is, this really is at the end of the day around how we're making this world a better place. And, and that's the point at which I started to build that self-confidence and said, you know what, we're not done with this. There, there, are, there are lots of opportunities for, for innovation and thinking differently. And, and God knows in our sector, we could do things more efficiently, more effectively, and with, with greater impact, and that's what, what I started to focus on. So maybe one more question on self-confidence, because for leaders, that's the center of our universe. Yeah. Did you feel that the self-confidence that was restored was different in nature or character than the self-confidence you took into this in the first place? Absolutely. Um, and that is why I think, you know, um, germane to your introduction, Tom, that is why success, constant success, I think it's, it's the silent killer. Because what you understand about yourself, what you understand about your field, what you understand about your team, uh, what you understand about the complexities of, of, of the work we're all engaged in, that that changes, and, and, and your self-confidence at saying, hey, I've weathered this, I've seen, um, I've seen wonderfully rendered ideas just, you know, cast, cast on, on the shore and not mm-hmm. take, you know, not take root, but, but I've also walked away from that with, with an idea about how I can do it better next time. That's a different kind of self-confidence, and I don't think it comes, I don't think it comes from constantly knocking it out of the ballpark. Understood. Good point. We're coming to the end of this segment. Uh, We'll be back in just a couple minutes uh, for more of Leadership Matters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. 
or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. If you are a woman who is in a transitionary state of your life, such as a divorce, marriage, upcoming retirement, changing jobs, or even careers, there are usually many financial decisions that you may be faced with. On Women Be Wise, host Darlene Gilmore can help with some important advice on a variety of subjects for women in almost any state of their financial lives. You'll want to listen every Thursday morning for Women Be Wise at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. Tom Wall with Andre Howard and our special guest, Mike Shaver. Mike, we've been talking in the last segment, uh, exploring the cost and power of failure. I wonder if I could ask you directly about that, because the other discussions were leading up to it. Does failure have a cost, and does failure provide us also with a benefit? So uh, I do think failure has a cost. I, I think there's no question um, uh, how how great that cost is has a lot to do with how as a as a leader you uh, approach it. Certainly, uh, if you think about failure in the context of executing on complicated uh, set of strategies, and some yield and some don't then the cost is really um, is is opportunity cost you didn't do something else you invested time and energy you may have even invested some money and and that's that there's no question that that's that's a cost evaluating whether or not that cost was the right cost or an acceptable cost has a lot to do with whether or not you can take that failure and say this is where we're going to go next on this idea if out of the box it's a failure and you're never going to go back and you're going to say, well, we're going to avoid that enterprise and we're not going to understand, we're not going to make the effort to understand um, uh, how we might do it differently next time, then I would argue that the cost is pretty high. Um, if, on the other hand, it, you, you've got more benefits, and, and that's really, I think, the crux of your, your question, Tom, if there are more benefits um, to thinking about how you can capitalize on the learnings for the future, then what you've done is you, you've stacked it and, and you've made that cost a little more manageable and a little more meaningful. So again, I think the, the degree of the cost is largely a function on, on how and, and your willingness to learn from, from the failure. So when you get on the other side of it and you're looking at risk management, 
are you viewing risk management the same way you did before or in a different way? And how uh, that's does a, that specifically impact you on, in this instance? Yeah, uh, that's that's a great question because um, there, we, there we are surrounded by risk. I mean, and I think anytime you're thinking about new business development, anytime you're thinking about new ways of doing the work, even if you're thinking about something as relatively straightforward as we want to scale up this evidence-based model, but we, we want to do it right and, and we need to make sure that we get a, a specific set of results, there are risks. There are there are incredible risks. I think that we need to move away from the risk being, is it going to work or is it going to fail? And that that being the focus of the assessment, but rather um, a, an assessment that says, here, here's an honest look at the risks. Here's an honest look at the rewards. Now let's, let's ask ourselves what we can do to mitigate. And then let's just get comfortable with, are the rewards sufficient for us to justify taking a step out, venturing out, and, and, and actually having failure. And if we do fail, what, what are the consequences of that? What will that lead to us next? So it's, it's really about getting this, this time horizon and, 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 and looking longer out and saying, if we're not successful in this venture, are we going to, will there be, enough, will there be sufficient lessons learned in order to guide us uh, towards how we think about doing this work in the future? And, and that's a, a big part of it, I think. Sure. If I could turn back in to the personal side for a minute, um, you said that you thought that it probably took, if I remember correctly, about 90 days yep. before you really felt you could put the pain in perspective. Yep. But about how long do you think that it took before you began to see the failure experience as having positive benefits for you? So uh, what I, for me, what is fascinating about my personal story with this is that I, um, pretty soon after this, um, you know, as, as you indicated, after the 90 days, um, I, had, I had sort of turned my thoughts to wanting to see if I could lead an enterprise somewhere that was um, really interested in, in taking advantage of some of the developing opportunities, whether it was in the pay-for-success space, the social impact space, social impact bond space, or, or even the healthcare space. And that's what had me think seriously about coming to Children's Home Society of Florida and, and leaving my role as COO and, and, and making a, a move for, for my role as CEO. And and I think because I was on the other side of that, um, and I was in the fourth or the fifth month, as I was talking uh, and, and, and interviewing for the position and talking with board members uh, here at the Children's Home Society of Florida, I honestly think it was a lot of my ability to talk about, there's always a question, you're always going to be asked to talk about a time when you failed and what you learned from it, because I do think there's an appetite in understanding how leaders uh, approach it. And I think for me, in that fourth and fifth month, I, I had really diver, developed a narrative about how not only did I learn a lot of lessons, but that I was going to go somewhere else, and I had a vision for how we could do it bigger 
and better and 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 reach even more families with 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 profound change and and I think that is how for me the experience taught me that you, 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 if you're not open to where the opportunities are inherent in failure you're going to close off opportunities and and for me I think that opportunity was really the was the the uh, uh, opportunity that I had to lead another organization very good now you describing that after the fourth or fifth month you began to develop new patterns of thoughts and really some new patterns of belief that came as a direct result of this experience. Yep. Now, you've been offering a really strong case for the fact that everyone kind of needs to be able to embrace failure when it comes our way, and it always comes our way eventually. So what would you say to other leaders that have never considered the possibility of failure. So my lesson learned in coming to another organization, and I think it's another successful organization, but it's an organization that has uh, uh, a very, very low appetite for risk. And and what I have found and, and would share with other leaders, that if you don't set the tone, if you don't set the example and set the stage that says change is now an inevitable part of how we do our business, and if we are not willing to embrace it and recognize that we will not always be successful, but instead that we have to learn and be a, a constantly learning uh, organization, then your ability to to get the best and the brightest, and I know in our sector today the word innovate is the is probably the buzzword that uh, um, collaboration and 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 collective impact was like a year and a half or two years ago. But but I really do believe that that that's where we're at right now is 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 thinking very differently about the sector and and we have to as leaders transmit to our staff and our team that we're not always going to get it right and that that's part of the process and that in fact we will reward it. We need to send the message that we're rewarding people that ask the big questions, that engage in the blue sky thinking, and then really discipline ourselves around how we evaluate our options about going left or right. When going left turns out not to be the right decision, what did we learn and what direction are we going to go next time as, as a result of that? If I could just also interject, please, go ahead. Andre. Uh, I mean, it sounds like Mike is really saying that leaders need to model the way in terms of how we should embrace and understand and mitigate and appreciate the power of failure. And again, I think, again, that's a whole different way of thinking, a new framework or a new platform for a lot of us as leaders is really thinking about how we, you know, turn the equation around and begin to model and say, you know, failure is okay. I mean, I keep going back to some of these earlier uh, inventors, and you talk about innovation, you know, you think about Thomas Edison, and, you know, in, in terms of the light bulb, and they were asking, you know, how did it feel for here? It took about a thousand times to get to uh, the light bulb, and right. making it 
somewhat perfect. And, and Thomas Edison said, well, it's not a thousand times failure. It was just a thousand steps to get to the final <laughs> product. Yeah. And I think That's in many right. ways, Absolutely. as leaders, we need to model the steps in terms of thinking about how we use failure to build the success ultimately. And I think that's where Mike is really driving the point home, which I really appreciate and, and love hearing as well. Yeah. Yep. I got a question, Mike, that I think is a direct follow-up uh, to Andre's point. Have you, since this, met a leader that you thought to yourself, he doesn't understand failure? Yeah, <laughs> I have, and uh, I'll be honest. Sometimes I I encounter it in my own organization, and and um, what I try to do is model and 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 constantly suggest that, uh, especially for the leaders in my organization, if your model of leadership is you are the answer robot and you are the person that provides the undisputed, correct uh, direction for where we're headed, then you are failing miserably at your job. Uh, mm-hmm. If, on the other hand, you are modeling uh, that you are an active learner, that you're listening, that you are finding the right questions, that it's all about the right questions, then, um, then, then I think that you're being successful. And so I, I, I look for it in, in my own team, and I, I look for it in, in the rising stars in the organization. But I'll be honest, I also look for it. I've been very, uh, I'm a, a new executive in, 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 in this area in, in Florida, and when I sit at the table with other leaders that we partner with, whether we contract with them or, or we do other things, I'm looking for the same thing. I'm, I'm looking for people that say, I, I think we've got a good idea here, and we're going to do our best to try and mitigate some of the circumstances. But if I'm sitting across the table for someone who says, oh, you know what, failure is not an option, and this looks like there's, there's a real likelihood of failure. So we got to walk from the idea. I know I need to find a different kind of partner. Sure. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be taking just a short break for a moment. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. 
powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. Game Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. Tom Wall with Andre Howard and our special guest, Mike Shaver. Uh, Mike experienced the failure in his career, and he lived to talk about it. And he wants to talk about it because he really believes that we can learn so much from our failures. Well, Mike, most leaders never consider the experience of failure. And yet most of the positive growth that many change leaders talk about say that it follows failure. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that, that is the million-dollar question. If we are agreeing that there is an upside to failure, if we believe that there really is such a thing as failing up, why is it that most of us have this profound allergy to failure? And and um, it's a guess, Tom, but uh, my guess is it's it has more to do with the um, the total perspective that we as leaders put on the consequences of failure. And I think we we stop we stop at that moment that says people will be looking at us saying you wanted to go here you wound up here isn't that a failure and i don't think we're 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 prepared to think about how that conversation looks after that which is you're absolutely right we did fail but this is to andre's point from the previous segment one step on our path to success and 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 just it's it's the it's the notion of calculated failures as opposed to being an apologist um, uh, around not having gotten it exactly right and i think it's just a matter of perspective and we we don't think enough about the benefits if we could just have you mike send a message to the leaders who are listening about how you believe you have changed and perhaps are a better leader as a result of your failure and why this is your summary statement yeah let me just say recognizing the importance of failure and being able to tell your staff that that failure is an inherent part of 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 growing and doing successful work there is no question that that is the secret ingredient to resilience and, and doing this work and doing it well and it's liberating and and as as tough as it may be to find the words as tough as it may be for 90 days in in the moment um, you will, if you 
approach it the right way, you will find it uh, an amazing, exhilarating, and unburdening experience that lets you know you don't have to execute perfectly all the time, and and there's power in that. Good. Let's follow up, give you your your second shot uh, to be able to give direct advice to leaders. What advice would you give to leaders who are approaching change leadership assignments maybe for the first time? Really important lesson. It's a lesson I've learned since being at this organization. It is really important that you have some way to assess what the culture of your own organization is, where it comes to change, where it comes to risk-taking. If you run headlong into a culture that is risk-averse, that is uncomfortable with change at a rapid clip, you'll set yourself up for a kind of failure that may not be the good kind unless you're prepared to really understand what it is you're stepping into and what you can expect along the way and how you're going to respond to resistance. So so, uh, so my advice is if, if you're staring down the, um, uh, down the road a ways to a major change initiative, it's important that you understand where your own organization is in terms of its comfort with, with failure, in terms of its comfort with risk-taking and that you try uh, to be attentive to that as, as opposed to walking in with the attitude that last time you had checked that your name was next to the CEO title and, and you'll be driving it at whatever pace you choose. I think it's important to get that temperature. Good job. Hey, one, good question, one question that came across here was about generational. Uh, someone wants to know, uh, is uh, a failure uh, a generational um, uh, uh, does it have a generational aspect to it? In other words, the, are older adults less likely to take risks than um, the younger generations? And I'll just pose that to maybe both of you. That was a question that came across the, uh, the line here. I'd like to hear Tom's response to that. I, I, I bet he has an interesting perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I do believe that there are generational differences uh, in the way that we respond. Uh, earlier, we had talked about how Mike had adopted a new pattern of thought and a new pattern of belief. And I believe in my heart, certainly from my experience, that each generation, and sometimes that is happening now every seven years, uh, they develop new patterns of thought uh, and new patterns of belief. And I think that it's very, very possible that millennials are less worried uh, about failures, say, than baby boomers are. You know, there was a a level of thought and belief that connected to the whole idea of, you know, failure is not an option. And I'm not sure that that exists today in the same way that it did. Yeah, that resonates for me. And, of course, any of us who have received uh, text messages from our millennial children understand that they're certainly not concerned about perfection in spelling and punctuation. And so I do think that there is a a, a little generational difference uh, in terms of 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 how each generation approaches uh, their expectations around failure and success, 
And I think that's part of understanding that culture as well. If you have a predominantly millennial workforce, you, you may have more opportunities than you think you do than if you're just looking at your senior management team that's well into their baby boomer or Gen X years. So I think that's a great question. Yeah, one of the questions, I'll just put this in here, and then again, you can respond um, either to Tyler or Mike. Uh, is there a limit to failure? I think we may have talked a little bit about it before, but are there so many times that uh, uh, we could allow failure to happen before we say, you know what, this is not going to work? So is there a limit to this failure aspect? Yeah, for me, I think that um, it is very situational. I think it really is dependent on the quality of how you uh, assess your failure, whether or not in that honest assessment of failure you can see future opportunities. And if you're doing it honestly and you're doing it without sort of the ego attached to it in terms of saying, I, I don't even want to want to confront all the missteps, but instead saying, well, here were the missed opportunities, and you let the opportunities guide you, I think that it really does depend on each iteration uh, of, of the failure. Now, if you fail and you continue to make the same mistakes, then, then that's, that, that's a different challenge entirely. But if you're, if you're embracing the process and really asking yourself, how did this get, close, get me closer to a vision, then, then I, I think that that's not, that's, that's not really a limitation you ought, you ought to put on yourself. Well, this has been a wonderful experience. Thanks, Andre, to you and uh, to Mike, our special guest. Uh, this has been a great experience. Uh, until the next episode, thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Andre. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.